Tansanito Demtake, and welcome to Otopemsu Squawak Kitsikisa Cook, Metis in Space! 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 Molly Swainitzigasan! Chelsea Baum Nitzigasan! Oh, two squanik nitotsen! Mantu Sakaiganik nitotsen! We did it! We made it through arguably the stinkiest. Worst movie we've watched in a great long while. Yeah, and it wasn't even bad because it was like enraging so much as it was just mediocre. Oh, it was long and boring. Like, you so know, long. Slow burn, but like, there was the no burn. Slowest. I mean, there was a burn. There was a burn. But, but, it was like, but it took way too long to get there. Just yeah. light the match. <laughs> The movie that never needed to happen. No, it did not. So tell us about the... Should I talk about the wine before the movie? Oh, we got to talk about it. The wine's been the best yeah, part. The wine the is the only thing that got us through. Okay, so we're drinking wine out of a bottle that is shaped like a fiddle. One might argue that it is a violin. But we are making we it with us. No. It is a fiddle. It's called uh, Stradivari. It is a vin rosu demi-sec Pinot Franc Fabricat in Moldova. Moldova I know. Wine? What? Moldova just keeps appearing in our wine life. Okay, but like reason. I feel where like, is it? I feel I don't well it's I don't know, there. but I I I sort of associate it totally wrongly, I know, with like uh like vampires and evil things. Oh, um, probably because so of Ghostbusters. Like, like yeah, yeah, I don't know. It it brings up but that was like a fictional place like Moldovia or something. Anyway, mm-hmm. I don't know, whatever. Um it's got twelve percent alcohol, so that's the important part. Uh, what is it? It doesn't really say much in here. It's got, it, no, like, it said, like, it. notes of plum or something at some point, or shade of plum. Yeah. I don't know. It, it tasted like wine-flavored water. Yeah, it was really, it, it, it was, was pretty terrible. It was, like, deeply, it was forgettable. But the you should definitely keep the bottle. The oh, bottle definitely. is beautiful. I love the bottle. I think yeah. It was worth it for the bottle. Totally. Uh, I'll, I mean, that's what I got pictures. it. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so that's the wine. It, it, it's wine. It's yeah. red. Yeah, it's great. Uh, if you like wine-flavored water. Um... <laughs> So the movie that we decided to watch, Chelsea managed to track this one down. Uh, I was pretty excited about it. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. I'm, I, you know, I would have always wondered if we'd never watched it. Uh, so the movie is Nightwing, uh, released June 22nd, 1979. So it's an older one. Uh, and in the movie, a Maskai tribal deputy investigating the unusual killing of a horse is told by the high priest that he is summoning the Yewa god to bring the world to an end. When the high priest is found dead from similar wounds, the deputy must work quickly to put an end to the deadly menace. So yeah, sounded like good, sounded interesting. Um, Somehow managed to take a bunch of pretty good, interesting concepts and just make them absolutely boring. So like a beige interesting of a movie. 100%. Yeah, it's like it's like when you take all sorts of good things uh, that are really tasty and that you love to eat and you put them in a blender. Yeah, and just like and blend you're it. like this is going to be even better. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. yeah, and you're like pouring you're like I love barbecue sauce. Woo! I love Nesquik syrup. Woo! Mm-hmm. Like let's throw some crackers in there. Potato chips, yeah, pickles, I love ham. onions. Yeah. Yeah, and then you hit blend. And then this movie comes out. This is the movie. This is the result. I don't even know where to start with this. Let's start at the beginning. So it's daybreak. There is sort of like the camera work is like sort of flying and swooping. It's the desert. It is the desert. There are cliffs and a man raising his arms to the sun. Very, very traditional. Silhouettedly. Yes. You can can almost hear the cry of the eagle in the background. Yes. You definitely can hear the cry of the flute. Yes. There are flutes throughout. We were not let down. Very liberal use of flutage. Exactly. Then we see a bunch of pueblos, like the built into stone and stuff. So we figure this is, this is, what is interesting about this is the setting. That's the best part. Right? So it's actually like you can see pueblo towns the extra seem to be indigenous for the most part. And it's like, it's got a really good sense of setting. I got to say that because there's, there's quite a few things I've seen lately where it could be anywhere, but this is in a very specific place. And the other reason I think that's interesting is because you don't see that very much anymore. And I, I think there's actually like Pueblo tend to be very controlling of their image and of what, what kind of stories get shared and things like this. So I'm pretty sure they don't let people just come on site and shoot movies in their in their villages anymore. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I have no recollection of ever seeing uh, like the cliff towns and the cliff dwellings uh, on film yeah. before. Yeah, they take you into Kiva. All this stuff that I, I don't think you probably normally would see. Mm-hmm. So that honestly, that felt a little weird to me that yeah. you were seeing that. I was kind of like uncomfortable with that. I don't really know, but I feel like that's 
not something that people are allowed to do anymore and I totally support and love that. So well, that was yeah, that's I mean, the one good thing I would say about it though is I was kind of interested the setting was very specific uh, to a particular nation even though in the story they like they don't give much detail about the culture and the people like they talk a little bit about the religion we'll get into that and you don't le- learn that much about them about their history that i'm just trying to look for positives here totally totally so positive whoever was was on the flute great flute line did a good job yeah yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. the the credits are all the beginning credits are all like sort of it's like a day in the desert and so you got the one guy raising his arms to the sky you got beautiful clouds you got lots of scenery and then the sun sets uh and the movie begins with a truck driving and the radio playing yeah and it's like indian radio so it's talking about ceremonies that come up they're they're talking about the rain dance Bring your own water, BYOW. Exactly. For the rain dance. And then we meet the protagonist, the native sheriff, Durand. He uh, he meets up with a man and a younger man to go see their dead horses. They're in the paddock, they're all marked up, big bites all over them. Uh, smells like ammonia. It turns out that the guy had also called in the white authorities who arrive in a helicopter, and that really, really bothers yes. the the native cop. And also the Pahanas, presumably because they have money. So it seems to be there's like some intertribal tension here between the mass guy and the Pahana mm-hmm. who are, I guess, I don't know if they have neighboring territories or if it's neighboring reserves. Yeah, it's really or if unclear. It's kind of all one reserve. They keep or... showing a map of like different different areas and then Pahana is written across it and then you just see the one area labeled mass guy. But they keep talking about mass guy people and Pahana people. And so that that was interesting too, like a little bit of intertribal conflict throughout the movie, which we don't often see because indigenous peoples are always homogenized. Like you, you can't have inter nothing because you're all the you know you're it's exactly the same, the same yeah. right? So I kind of yeah, and certainly like not that. like you know this was an interesting one too because it's not they're not out and out enemies, right? Like mm-hmm. I, I feel like when we've seen this in the past, it tends to be more historically based and it tends to be. Uh, these are our enemies, and if we see them, we fight them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, whereas, like, these folks, it's a much more complex relationship. It really seems like the Pahana have made specific kinds of economic choices that mean that they are in a higher economic bracket yeah. than the mask guy. And the chief of the Pahana genuinely seems to, like, want to bring that wealth and that abundance uh, sort of through extractive capitalism to the mask guy, but the mask guy are sort of seem to be like traditionalist holdouts is yeah that like the yeah movie? yeah because and he's also very like he he really denigrates them as like superstitious and he, he has a lot of terrible things to say that we'll get into but yeah so the mask guy are supposed to be uh very spiritual and you know refusing at modernity etc you know you know the the same old deal as yeah. always right so it really yeah. does, it seems, especially at the beginning, it seems to be sort of, yeah, this chief of the Pahana is, is really pro-industry. He's, like, gone into the white man's world. He's gone to university, and he works really closely with different extraction companies, um, power plants, mining operations, versus mask guy sheriff, who seems a lot more interested in maintaining sovereignty and maintaining the traditions and protecting the religion and the spiritual sites. And so that's sort of set up right at the beginning, that dynamic. The native cop goes, he meets up with this old man named Abner. I think it's his uncle. Yeah, well, he calls him uncle, but I think it's just a, an honorific. Well, he, it sounds like Abner raised him. Yeah, true, true. So, yeah, I mean, so it's an honorific, but but also legit. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So he's he's uncle inside um, like a hut. He's doing sand art, which is really beautiful, by the way. Mm-hmm. And, he's, and he's talking about they've all got to die. And Durand had brought him some wine. He's like, no, thanks. And, and he says, like, hey, Abner, you promised not to do any more magic. He's talking about how everybody's afraid of you, including the priests of the Maskai religion. Sounds like initially uh, Duran <laughs> thinks that it was Abner who's responsible for the horse's death. He comes up and says, first thing he says was, you told me you'd never make magic on animals. And Abner denies that that was him. You know, he says that he wasn't doing it. But he's like, he's very fixated on this art that he's making. Yeah. And they refer to it as a painting. And Abner says, I'm ending the fourth world. Today I've decided to end the world. They've all got to go. All of the white people, all of the, and including like sort of what he Abner considers to be sort of the bad natives. As yeah, well. he he did mention the Pahana there, and at first mm-hmm. we we thought that Pahana was a word for white people mm-hmm. until we sort of saw like Pahana Reservation. So yeah, he he names them. That's kind of interesting. He names the Bureau of Indian Affairs, the Federal Court, etc. So he's 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 like saying this is a new chance for our people, like a renewal. We destroy the world, and that's a renewal for our people. Yeah. And he wants Duran to help him do this uh, mm-hmm. because Duran according to Abner, is part of the Coyote Warrior Clan and so has some kind of power that he's able to, to help with this. But Duran says no. 
is not going to do that. And Abner says, I need your help or I'm going to die tonight. And it's not that he doesn't believe what mm-hmm. Abner's saying, but he do- he doesn't agree that people should have, like, so many people should have to die. Like, yes. he, yeah. he, he seems to be aware of the stakes right away. And Abner talks about this God, Yahweh. And he said, he like, he's opening the circle, he's letting him out. I think it's it's Yewa. <laughs> Yewa, yeah. I, I had a time, hard time, like, uh, writing it. Yewa, yeah. And then, and then flute. Yeah. <laughs> then there's a bunch of flutes. Flutes out the wazoo. Like, and somebody, somebody was out there holding, like, six flutes, you know, just, like, in there, like, an armload of flutes. Just, like, ooh. It was amazing. Okay, so there's actually, so here's, here's a critique of the film right off the bat, is there's so much going on in this film. There's uh, so Like, way much. too much. So there's, like, all these different interwoven plots. And so we've got, already, already, we've got the intertribal conflict. We've got, you know, talking, the, the, the religion of the mask guy. Yeah. The morally uh, ambiguous, I guess, magic practitioner. They yeah. refer to him as a witch, Abner. They refer to him as a witch. The, the sort of in, the intra-tribal conflict among the various practitioners of the religion. Yeah. And yeah. then there's already been some stuff around industry, mm-hmm. again, versus traditionalism. Yeah. And, and so that's then, not even the end of it. No, no. And, and then so we... <laughs> this we, is like the first five minutes. Yeah, it's very... Like, it's a lot. So then we flash to a woman in labor... And this white female doctor just keeps telling this other woman to stop trying to put something in the lady's mouth. So some like sort of traditional medicine or whatever. She's like, no, I need her to help me. So I don't know what it was that she oh, was. Yeah, I don't know. What but was she was like, there. no, you like get away, get away. She keeps like shooing this woman off, right? Uh, that really bothered me. Yeah. Well, I mean, like that. That is. <laughs> that's how it, it is. Totally. That yeah. just like tapped into like very common medicalized race and racism that totally. yeah, indigenous and, people often and still face. Right. I mean, yeah. you know, reclaiming traditional birthing practices has been such a huge and important intervention into yeah. the colonial present. And I actually found it really, it, it really seems like, you know, this movie I think is part of the, it's sort of like this really interesting post red power sort of civil rights move to liberalism. I think they're really trying to humanize portrayals of indigenous people Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and, but they're doing it in a way that's like fundamentally different from how it might be done today. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, True. So it's like, they don't, they don't necessarily really see that there's a huge problem portraying this white woman doing this, uh, taking these actions, which is like more honest. I think than a lot of like liberal. Yes, which we've talked about before. Is like we yeah. much prefer the open racism of the prairies than the sort of liberal ally BS, like stab you in the back stuff that you'll get elsewhere. Because then you know where you stand with folks. It, it is interesting, and and they do like other. I mean, the the main character, the the sheriff. You said he was he was Italian, right? Oh yeah, which the is very Italian. fitting for yeah. the time. But they do use a lot of indigenous like actors for the rest of it. Yeah, they do. So um, we find out that uh, so she goes into town, this doctor, and we find out she's the cop's girlfriend. Yeah, she's a, she's other doc. I think she might actually be a nurse. Yeah, I don't think she has full. Yeah, she's you're, you're right. I don't yeah. think she's a doctor. She's just got some training. Yeah. she starts talking about the lack of services, lack of clinics, yeah, lack of a real clinic. Yeah, it's, it's sort of like you know, it's like a nursing station. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, like you find in a lot of communities. Yeah, so um, she brings up the real issue of lack of access to to healthcare and trained personnel on on reserve, which is like still a problem. Yeah, which is so interesting, right? Because on the one hand, yeah, it really there's a lot of sort of white man's burden yeah. stuff in this yeah. movie and I think that's one of those moments where you see this sort of attempt to have a sympathetic portrayal. You mm-hmm. know, the issue is not that these people are primitive, the issue yeah. is that we're not able to fund services for them or we've decided not to fund services for them, but at the same time then she's going and being super colonial about traditional birthing practices. Yeah. Yeah. And those things like you know, there's no sense of how that might be intention. Yeah. She's just there to save. Save, save, save. They go to a hot spring, which just looked amazing by the way. Um, I know I want one of those. Yeah, and so they're they're alone in there's this this really cringy scene where the the cop is like he he puts on like the Tonto speak and he's like Abner says I'm Coyote Warrior Clan and oh yeah you are my pounding his yeah. chest and yeah. you are my white goddess and like Molly and I like literally vomited into our mouths <laughs> yeah the, at the exact same time I don't even know what that woman's name ended up being no I don't care. I just she's refer just to like WG yeah she's yeah she's just white goddess from from there on in and and honestly and she's just useless she's totally useless no but they try to make her seem super knowledgeable and respectful of the of the territory but i just don't like no, it no it doesn't translate like <laughs> it, it might maybe it, maybe that's it's supposed to translate for white audiences like yeah. see like the way that they're positioning her yeah but she she's she definitely doesn't like know anything <laughs> yeah 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 so she's talking about she wants to go to houston to study more more medicine and learn more things and come back and he talks about how he's so jealous and that anyway we don't really he's having his howard adams moment yeah we <laughs> <laughs> Ouch! <laughs> 
Whoa, zing. Uh, Come on, so, this guy's got some, like, internalized shit. Not as no, much as the, the Pahana chief, but, like, 100%. there's some stuff happening. That here. was wild. Then we flash. So there's a lot of, like, just everything going on. So we flash to this sheep paddock. There's, like, like a young guy who's, like, watching them, listening to the radio. Then we hear flapping sounds. And some the screeching. Yeah. Some scritching. Exactly. And, and the sheep panic. He gets trampled. And we see dead sheep. Yeah. And we see sort of, there's this one brief scene. We sort of see his the lower half of his body face down on the ground and is kind of twitching. Like, yeah. something is moving him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but that's it. That's it. And then in the morning, Durant goes to see Abner again. And Abner had said, like, I'm going to die tonight, right? And, yeah. and Durant's like, yeah, whatever. But there's blood outside. He goes in. In fact, the old man is dead. Boom. So, yeah. Then we flash to the trading post and the most odious character, I think, Who so far. Just kind of, he's there being super racist, and then he leaves, and you never see him again, really. Yeah. Like, there's, like, one other scene that he's in. But we, like, I was expecting him to, like, die a gruesome death. Oh, I, we said we couldn't wait. Like, we're, yeah. wait, because this is supposed to be a horror movie, so we're like, ah, all these people they're introducing, we're going to watch them die horribly. And I was really looking forward to him dying horribly. In particular. So he's, like, this Quaker, Mr. Selwyn. So apparently he came, like, as a missionary to the rest. And then he, like, he was, like, talking about how, like, the Indians aren't grateful enough and they hate me. Yeah. And, and he's, like, and yeah, and he's, like, clearly just so, he's so disparaging. He's so hateful. Oh. But he's also decked out in just. He's got a squash hat blossom, like, necklace with a yes. turquoise. And just a huge amount of silver just bangled up to his elbows. And the what does he do? Deal. He runs a trading post. And he runs a trading post. Yeah. And just is a complete douchebag. Yeah, so he sells food to people on credit, and yeah. he's like, and they hate me for it. Yeah, and then he's got he's got a wife and five daughters, I yeah. think he said. And, and he, he keeps saying, like, these people, and, and this woman's like, well, don't, didn't you marry an Indian? And he's like, I sure did. Yeah, and that's, they hate me even more for it. And then he's yeah. just, like, talking about how Duran should marry one of his daughters because she won't cause him any problems and she's a hard worker. And, and she's never even heard the Rolling Stones or something. Yeah. 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 That no, man, it was so gross. He was, he was so disgusting. I know. Like, and, and so the, that's the fact, like there's so many white men who come into community and will like marry and have children and still like sit there and just say the most racist, hateful things. Like, like, I, I don't know why people still think like that you can marry your way out of bigotry. Like it doesn't work like that. Like if, if, if like, being in a romantic relationship cured everything. There wouldn't be misogyny. There wouldn't, like, it just does not work. And he's just such a scumbag. Yeah. But Abner comes and in. And he never gets his. That was one of the, no. like, that to me was one of the weirdest parts of this movie is he comes in, he's sort of this, he seems to be a foil to the, eventually you meet, like, sort of, like, white anthropologist slash vampire bad hunter guy and then the white goddess he seems to sort of be this like foil like this is this is how he used to be he's old yeah uh he's he's a bit of a ridiculous character he's mm-hmm. got these five daughters who are clearly get along great without him like yeah. you'd have to having a dad like that yeah but like look at how terrible he is but then look at these like good white people who don't care that these are indians yeah. wait so he should have died he should have died horribly yeah that was a bummer whatever yeah, what um, kind of horror movie is this Duran, I mean, maybe that's the real horror. That, that he doesn't get his? Yeah. For real. Uh, Duran comes in, asks for cornmeal, white rope, and cloth. And the guy's like, who died? Yeah. So, so he's been in community yeah, enough. He knows. He knows. And that, how could you... Why would you live somewhere when you hate the people so much? Yeah. Like, honestly, like, this happens in so many places. Like, you go up north, and there are so many white people working, like, either for, for the towns or, like, as teachers who literally just do nothing but shit talk the people in community all day and hate them, but they're, like, embedded in community, too. Like, they, they, they benefit from community. People give them, like, whitefish and stuff like that. Like, they, they learn things, they have access, but they just sit there and hate everybody so bad. Why live your life like that? Like, why? I don't get yeah. it. I mean, it's almost like different flavors of saviorism in this oh. movie. Like, all of these... So, I'm trying to think of the white... So, you have the the mining executive that you eventually meet. You have this Selwyn character. You have White Goddess. And you have Vampire Bat Hunter. Yeah. And all four of them, in different ways, are doing white saviorism. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. They all think and that their approach is, is what's going to save the Indians. Yeah. And it's yeah. clear, to a certain extent, that, like, Selwyn and the, the mining executive, they're sort of... Supposed to be the like bad white savior. Yeah. But then you, there's good white saviors too, so don't worry yeah, yeah, about yeah. it. Th- those white saviors will be like hot white ladies who will have naked hot tub time with you yeah. and 
this random vampire <laughs> bat killer. I don't even know what he's supposed to be. I don't know. Do. He's, he's wild. Yeah, speaking of useless. He was wild. Okay. But yeah, so I mean, this, this movie sets up this really interesting dynamic. It's almost like post-Red Power, we're moving into this more tolerant era. Yeah. Where you can come, you'll be assimilated, but yeah. you'll be assimilated respectfully. It's yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, so the, the white goddess has taken some church folk out to the desert. We don't know why. There's never There's, an explanation. It's so strange. It is, it is super weird. Yeah, for days. They go out to the desert for days. Yeah. Uh, to, to be God, pray? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. So, okay, so Duran goes back to Abner's. He's ready to, like, you know, uh, like, get him, get him ready for burial. And then there's, this is, this part was so disturbing. So he gets in there, he's already laid Abner out sort of like ceremonially and stuff in preparation for burial. And there's this guy in there, this white dude, just like literally taking like his tissue samples from his face. And he sees Duran, he's like, oh, these burial practices are so interesting. He starts talking about it like the man isn't there, laid out in front yeah, of him. I totally thought he was an anthropologist. Oh, 100%. I was like, these screenwriters who have read Vine Memoria Jr. <laughs> yeah, no, he absolutely came across like an, like an anthropologist. And it was just so, like, no thought to, like, you know, the fact that Duran was probably a grieving relative or, you know... That was some wild times. So Duran, like, threatens him out of the place with a gun, which, like... Fair. Fair. And, like, yeah, makes him leave the tissue sample and is basically like, get out of here. And he says, uh, so the guy's like, oh, I saw the vulture, so I came here. And I don't, I, Durant's like, well, one vulture's the same as another. <laughs> that was the best line in the whole movie. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. then the guy is like, he, he, his name is Philip Payne. And he's, and uh, he's like, like, who are you? And he's like, you might call me the exterminating angel. And, and like, and leaves. then just leaves. Yeah. And we were like, okay, right, bye. bye. <laughs> Jesus. And it's more so flutes. Dramatic. More flutes. Yeah. And he buries Abner. Yeah, and he buries Abner, but as he lays him, excuse me, in the grave, uh, and this was the only part that was actually, like, Kinda approaching creepy. scary, yeah. is uh, the, like, he's, he's completely covered in a sheet, and starts suddenly bleeding through the sheet, even yeah. though he's been dead for oh, wow. hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, just starts spontaneously bleeding, particularly around the eyes, and then when you look at the, the sand painting that he was making, one of the main figures is this black face with red uh, beneath the eyes, yeah. like blood beneath Bloody the up, eyes. Yeah. And so that was a little eerie. I know, and I was like, ooh, this is getting good. But no, we'll just no. spoil it for you now. It didn't get better. Yeah, it's not even, a sp- like, this. It, like spoiling it would be to encourage you to watch it. Yeah. So no, you're welcome. Just, yeah, to everyone. Uh, yeah. So now we, we're at the Pahana Tribal Council. We're, we're seeing a little bit more about the intertribal politics here. The band office, or I guess uh, oh, I love the it. tribal office, I, whatever office, they have in the yeah. States, yeah, is amazing aesthetically definitely yeah very like, very like tops. late 60s early 70s like yeah everything's kind of round yeah. yeah like weirdly shaped small windows in random places lots like, of color yeah like retro futuristic almost looking i i, I literally want that office yeah i mean it was really that nice. was the only thing i liked yeah um and, um, and philip is there talking to the pahana chief about vampire bats yes because uh, Phil, the Philip Payne has decided that uh, vampire bats are what what are the issue that there's a vampire bat colony that has moved in somewhere on Maskai territory, right. and he has all sorts of you know scientific reasons for why this is the case. The chief tries to argue with him and say you know there are no vampire bats around here. What are you talking about? The chief is arguing that the or the um, anthropologist the Payne is arguing <laughs> that no no they they migrated here. And basically, like, makes them out to be, like, the worst animal ever. They carry the bubonic plague. And they, they, can, they can make those, like, the, the, you had to see, but the cuts in the, in the horses and stuff were so deep. They yeah, went through down the bone. to the bone. Down to the bone. Like, yeah. I'm sorry, have you seen a bat? Like, even a big bat. Like, and these aren't big bats. No. You see, you see the bats eventually. So They're, funny. like, very small and cute. They're just regular bats. Yeah, totally. So, and so, the chief is taking this somewhat seriously because he's also currently wooing slash being wooed by this mining exec. Right. Who wants to enter into Mesquite territory to start looking for oil in the shale rock under the sacred sites, like the most sacred sites in Mesquite territory. And so he, like this mining exec needs the chief to get permits from the council, but the council includes priests from the traditional religion and he's having all this trouble. So obviously these vampire bats are throwing a wrench in, in the extraction plan. Yeah. And, and so we're, we'll skip a couple scenes that don't really matter. There's some more attacks and Duran talks to a man uh, in town and says that Abner died. And the guy's like, well, I saw him go down into the Kiva. That's our favorite guy. Yeah. By the way, it's, he's just like this old man 
hanging out, like, totally chilling. fine with seeing dead people walking. Yeah, just like he knows what's up. Yeah. And he's like, oh, Abner got really dangerous and everything. But anyway, the chief is talking to this guy from the mining company. And yeah, he's talking about how, how most of the council are priests. And they're stoned out of their minds all the time. And yeah, he's like, like the internalized racism. He calls his own people dumb and poor. Like I've got people like that too. Yeah. Just lots of, you know, they're dumb and poor. That's when I, I clocked that he was calling uh, white people Anglos. Yeah, which is what like we that. do up here. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Because also, because these, you know, historically these folks have also experienced colonization at the hands of the Spaniards, right? right? So making yeah, that Yeah, and they, they talk about that. They talk yeah. about how 400 years ago they drove out the Spaniards, but yeah. now they're having to deal with the Anglos. Yeah, so I like that because, yeah, we do that. Um, so, yeah, so there we go. So here's another plot point, right? Like the oil, sacred territory, intertribal, religion... Uh, white saviors, like you would think at that point. My God is going to Houston and he's jealous. Yeah. Yeah. And never brings that up again, by the way. So she she has dreams, but then they dissipate. So you just sort of, you're like, okay, okay. We've set up enough plot. That's enough plot. It's enough plot. But yet the plot keeps going (laughs) because so Duran goes, he burns Abner's cabin and burns the painting, which we hear later from the old man. That was the correct thing Mm -hmm. to do. He says, Mm -hmm. you did everything right. However, Duran goes back and finds that Abner's grave is empty. Yeah, he just... And there was no... There's no signs of digging, no nothing. No tracks leading away from it. So he goes down to where the rain dance ceremony is happening uh, and says, the priests are supposed to be here, the fire no, priests. No, that's later. That's way later. But but that's like... That, that's eventually what happens. Oh, okay, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And uh, the old man's like, well, I don't know why they're not here. Like, yeah. they're doing priest stuff, I guess. All right. Flutes. Again. Creepy wind. And we see yes. an ambulance picking up uh, the shepherd who'd, like, been killed or whatever. We see, like, a, a boobo on his neck. And so that... Wait, yeah. is that really called a boobo? Yeah. Bubonic yeah. plague and you get boobos? Yeah, you get boobos. They're, like, these huh. horrible, like, like uh, pustules. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. That's such a cute name. <laughs> so uh, he's... Okay, so uh, vampire killer there is looking at fleas. And he's looking at the, the fleas from the bat. And anyway, comes around. He's car- They're carrying the bubonic plague. And then he talks about how the vampire bats, they drink too much blood, like way more than their body weight. And then in order to fly again, they have to like piss out the excess and like to, and it's all ammonia. To fly, yeah. And so that's why everything's smelling so strongly of ammonia. So there's, okay, so now we bring in, and this is interesting. So now we're bringing in like all these vectors of disease and like ways of controlling it. And so they talk about like, they talk about quarantine. They talk about inoculations. They talk about like alerting the CDC. Yeah, They're talking about like health measures. Yeah, and and how and very briefly touch on how like calling in outside health measures could have impact the community because then it brings in all these people. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. The chief the chief ends up talking Duran out of calling in uh, any sort of public health uh, authorities because he says they'll send in the army and it'll be an army of white people. Yeah, and they'll so panic and lots of people will die. Mm-hmm. And it was like, that is actually, Which, like, yeah, le- like a totally legit concern. And also, like, you know, as we're continuing to live through a pandemic, it was really interesting. The, 1979, this was made, right? So mm-hmm. to look at, like, they were talking about swine flu in this in this film. You know, he's, like, masking up. Like, kind of things that I, I guess I didn't really expect for, you know, the, the late 70s, early 80s. But, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, it also goes to show, right? Like, we saw during the beginning of the pandemic, this, this COVID pandemic... Mm-hmm that there were a lot of communities that basically took their own health measures. Yeah, absolutely. Like, really By the true lockdown. Yeah. True total lockdown. Having, having their own lockdowns uh, and enforcing it themselves as yeah. well. And, and so, you know, this movie is really interesting because, like, as much BS yeah. as there is in it, like, th- like, whatever they're using as their source material feels legit. Mm-hmm. Like, the movie doesn't. Yeah. But the source material underneath, you can kind of see some truth to it. Okay, so then... Uh, inexplicably this little camping trip out to the desert so they yeah but the bible people yeah they're they're out there singing hymns or whatever they're doing bible camp i guess yeah and they're out there and with white girlfriend and they're talking about the natives the mask guy and you know how they're so superstitious and she's like oh isn't that all religion they're like that sounds sacrilegious or blasphemous blasphemy and she's like well but actually this this was my favorite part she almost she almost gets there when goddess says you know, it's the desert that creates mythology and it's the people that live there that then are able to tell the stories around it, mm-hmm. which I thought was really interesting because mm-hmm. then she goes on to say, you know, like all religion is the result of the place that people live. Yeah. And yeah, I was yeah. like, that's like, 
legit. Yeah. Literally geographically specific and situated. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's like a, a real analysis of sort of, you know, talking about land relationships and the ways in which where you are determines how you are. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But then, you know, obviously it doesn't go any further than that because they get attacked by vampire bats. Yeah, so she, the reason she doesn't get attacked right away, she she heads into the truck to check the weather report, so she's inside the truck. The bats attack the church people, and so there's two women and two men, and the men just straight up abandon the women, and not just that, they're like clamoring to get into the vehicle with her, the camper van, and she can't open the door because they're like up up against the door but she finally manages to do it they get in and they close the door behind them and make sure that the woman couldn't get in yeah so one woman uh she get, probably gets attacked the worst i guess yeah. and so she's like just freaking out panicking she ends up falling in the fire and sort of burning Ugh. and getting drained by vampire bats but the other one is like there, like screaming trying to get yeah, in yeah could have made it as and well white goddess is like trying to get at her and this, this he re- like, they restrain her yeah they like they hold her and, and prevent her and uh, the other woman eventually, and this is this is pretty nasty. Um, she ends up trying to crawl under the van to get away from the bats, and one of the white guys just drives over her to yeah. escape. Just does not get, like what great Christians. Yeah, like they're sitting there, you know, pre- just just previous to the attack, talking, you know, just thinking about how superior they are. They're not rooted in superstition. They have the one true God, and this is how they behave. Totally, very typical. Yeah, absolutely. So they're they're getting away uh, in their getaway van camper uh, and clearly panicking like this white guy is a mess and a half. Uh, yeah, he's driving and, it. Yeah, and so it's the middle of the night. I don't even think they have their lights on. No. The van obviously crashes and overturns. Yeah. So in, in the morning, we can see a makeshift, uh, like, cross. So they buried they buried one of the guys. The other guy's, like, basically mortally wounded. She has given him some cactus to suck on. So here she's got some skills, right? She talks about going fishing, Uh, which she just uses a snare to catch some snakes to feed them. So she does have some, like, desert skills, right? But, um, yeah, I I don't know. And, and, yeah, eventually the the guy dies. Yeah. And so... So this, by the way, this this whole sort of subplot with the white goddess in the desert, I think takes place over two days. Yeah, yeah, it's a couple days. She's out there for a few days. But she can't, like, by the time they eventually get to her, she's on death's door with dehydration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is just so so bizarre to me. Is she she really knowledgeable about the desert or not? Yeah. There's this one scene where she's, you know, she she lights the camper van on fire uh, basically to send up a signal, which is smart. And then she goes back and collapses in her... truly terrible shelter that she's made. Like, full face in the sun. Yeah, it's, like, not even angled in such a way as to provide her with any shade. It doesn't make any sense. And then she just apparently, that's where they find her later, so apparently that's where she was laying. She doesn't remake it or adjust it or, Or like, I don't know, get more supplies or five, I don't know. It was just, it was, yeah, it was really bad. And then, okay, and then we're at the rain dance, and I was saying, like, it looks like traditional regalia. It looks legit because the moves are way too cool to be choreographed by a white person. Yeah, so I I think, again, this is one of those things. I think the source material was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it also felt weird about watching this because I was like, I don't know if this, like, I don't know if this would be allowed now. Like, I'm not yeah. sure you could go film that right now. Yeah. You know, and the the fact that it was done sort of like before maybe, you know, folks had the power to say like, no, uh, doesn't yeah, or change, maybe, or you know? maybe just like, yeah, the community used to be okay with it. Yeah. And then, you know, which just, is often like, the case, right? Like well, you totally. might, and then people take advantage. Yeah. Of people forget that like, um, and this is what I don't like is sometimes people will weaponize those older accounts and be like, look at how open your, you know, your great grandparents were to speaking to these anthropologists and these researchers that came into community. Look at that. They told them everything. But yeah, that's the whole point that the, the the whole like development of ethics of dealing with indigenous communities has come over time because yes, indigenous peoples tend to be very generous with knowledge, but when that knowledge continues to be like stolen, profited from, and, and the profit doesn't come back, back to the community, you know, to the point where like people are, are, are literally providing all the, all of the labor for like language texts or cultural texts, and then they can't even access them themselves because the copyright belongs to the university of the researcher. At some point, the, the, the community is going to say, no, that's enough. We're not yeah. doing that anymore. Totally. And so it's not okay to be like, well, they did. So you guys should be open because you're not, because what they'll do is they'll be like, you're not being traditional because your ancestors were more well, and they willing do that, to share. They do that with knowledge. And yes. then they also, like, and this is one of the things that really pisses me off, is when, and this is like a specific example, but I think mm-hmm. that this happens with more things, 
is it's also like they'll they'll try to twist how we talk about ourselves mm-hmm. right you see that with like race shifters oh my gosh and oh well you know like you used to call yourselves this yeah and this means this and i looked this up in the dictionary and it means this so like because we use the same word or because you know whatever because of the way that i'm interpreting how things used to be yeah that means that you owe me. That means yeah, that yeah, I yeah. have a claim on this. Or that means that you, you know, I deserve to have access to such and such, right? right? And as it's though, just, like, we're not allowed to actually change. Or as though And if it we ignores change, all the context of why those changes happen. Yeah. Like, if, like, I know here we're dancing around the, the way that Métis gets used. But, like, the, the, the deliberate decisions that were made politically by community leaders uh, to use certain terminology... Like you can't just erase that history and forget why they did it. It wasn't. It wasn't something that everybody was like, "Yeah, that's great, and we all agree." And then, thus, any shift means like you get to sort of like dig your way in. Yeah. Or or any shift means that like you're disrespecting your ancestors. Yeah. Or you're you know you're not being traditional, or you know you're not as authentic because yeah. you're not doing things the exact same way. Yeah. People will go in and they'll just they'll just look at the very surface details. And see those changes over time, not understand any of the actual real life decisions that were being made in community, the way in which, you know, our ancestors were dealing with, um, you know, colonial institutions and they had to shift and they had to change and they had to like bob and, you know, and duck and and they ignore all of that context. They just look at the surface of it and then they're like, oh, well, um, you know. Well, my ancestors were once noted that, you know, they were they were mixed laborers, so it had Métis on there. Uh, so that means they're Métis, because that's the word you, you started using, you know, constitutionally. And so we're, we're going to just retcon that back to... Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. The yeah, 1600s. Or Métis used to include, you know, all of these, like, non-status people, and so it still should now. Yeah. And it's like... Those like are strategic an, alliances. Those are strategic alliances. And you know what? There might be an argument made to be made there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you're just like, read one book that was published in like 1960 and then decide that you're going to just take that and like put it on everybody else. Yeah. Like independent of everything that's happened in the past 70 years. Like, and and we're supposed to spend all of our time telling you why that that's, that's not a thing yeah. and holding your it's hands It's such a that. waste of time because you have if to you literally the range. give them, Yeah, you, you <laughs> have to, in order to like refute those ridiculous claims, you actually have to catch them up on the entire history and they don't want to know it. They don't want to know it. No, because so they they're think not they, they have that gotcha. Yeah, exactly. Like they're constantly, they're trying to find that magic bullet to get what they want. Yeah. Right. Oh. Like whatever it takes, Cute. like as long as I can get what I want out of it. Yeah. It's not, it's not about reality. It's certainly not about our communities. Yeah. But it, but it does mean that then we're, you know, we're sort of in this really interesting position where we're in a space now that is no less uh, hungry mm-hmm. to consume indigenous people, yeah. to consume our cultures, to consume our spiritualities, all of that. But we're having to contend with this shift in the narrative yeah. where, you know, things are f- like the, the underlying logics are the same, but the trappings are different. Yeah. And so like now, and we're supposed to now not only, you know, be able to defend the decisions that we're making now, but defend why those decisions aren't the decisions our ancestors Yes. Made. Oh my gosh. It's so frustrating. Somebody will whip out a paper like by Harry Daniels and ignore the other stuff that Daniels said about Métis nationhood. Yeah. Or just ignore the fact that like Harry Daniels is one dude. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or like, or, oh my God, the way that they cherry pick Louis Riel, like it's the oh fucking God. Bible. I swear to God, like... I, like I, Louis I, there Riel, are there are people like even within the our oh own nation God, that you could have just like a Riel off. Yeah. You know, just yeah. like they could have just quote after quote after quote. Like, like a, I'm sorry. Like a rap battle with Riel quotes. Riel was a young dude with yeah. some weird ideas and not everybody in the Métis nation gave a shit about Riel. He he's not our fucking savior. He's not a religion. Stop treating him like a religion. Actually, it would kind of be cool if there was a religion that eventually well, like, he wanted, out of yeah totally he he, want, he had his whole he had his religious ideas but yeah. nobody's doing that yeah like, like but I, I mean i do think that would be interesting but they don't even do that no like, if you want to go all back and do like, is they use riel to uphold what they think mm-hmm. like if you think something just own it you yeah. don't you don't need to like call back to some guy that's oh been God. dead for 150 years to back you up like let's respect the man enough to let him rest right for the love of god like and please <laughs> like at at no point Ever should any of our words ever be weaponized against other indigenous peoples? Like, like after our deaths, we always think about like, oh my God, some NFTs of Riel. Like if anybody makes NFTs of us, we will fucking oh haunt God. you forever, 
I mean, not that, not that anybody would, but like just in case anybody's thinking about it, no, oh don't do God. it. Can yeah, you, like, actually, but this is actually really interesting because I've been thinking about this this whole NFT thing yeah. because, um, like, multiple people have gotten in touch with us, yeah, uh, through Twitter or our email or whatever, being like trying to promote NFTs as though that's something that we'd really jump onto because we do sci-fi and stuff and indigenous yeah. futurisms and all yeah. of that. And I can see, I can see why on the surface that would make sense. Yeah, totally. But I mean, so I think it, you know, it, like I'm, I'm interested in sort of talking about why like both of us, cause we never actually talked about no, why true, true. we're not in, but we were both just oh, instantly like, ugh. absolutely not. Yeah, it's disgusting. Um, I mean, I think for me, there's several aspects to it. The first is, you know, just the intense capitalism, yep. uh, like the, the unbelievable, uh, I guess like market that's risen up around these things and just, mm-hmm. yeah, the pure commodification like, they're just commodities. They don't exist in real life. They don't do anything for you. Of ancestors, too. Specifically, of, uh, like... Exactly, yeah. Of that is so crazy. Commod- like, like, that's the other thing with Riel in particular. Is he's been so hyper-commodified. Yeah. And it really... Like, it's taking him out of our webs of relations, Yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. Right? Like, to, yeah. to make somebody into an object to be consumed. Yeah. Which is, like... We need to have more realistic discussions, like more deep discussions about that. But it's also, you know, NFTs are terrible for the environment. All that blockchain oh shit is so yes bad for the environment. Yeah, you can't you can't talk about relationality and Wakutuin and your and your uh, obligations to to the land and the waters when when you're like pursuing. I'm not saying any of us are perfect. We're all living under capitalism. We're all making bad choices in, under a bad system. But that in particular is not liberation yeah, like it well, I mean, is not you know the electricity that runs these things is coming from hydroelectric dams that people are being relocated yeah so that the state flooded, can build uh, build and, and flooded other people's territories yeah, like, we need like we really you know like f- full luxury gay space communism yeah it's fun to think about yeah 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 but we can't get there by doing what we're doing. Yeah. And like, just consuming so much. Yeah. What if our luxury is not we can have more shit, we can use more electricity, we can use more resources? Mm-hmm. What if it's we scale it back and redefine what luxury is for ourselves? Yep. Like when you look back at like what our people were doing, like we lived in the lap of luxury. Yep. And we like worked our asses off and we were out and about all day every day. But like when you look at like what people were doing, what we were wearing, like we were like wealthy we yeah, had abundant peacocks it just did not look like nfts yeah exactly <laughs> you know, exactly and like i think we four properties or thirty thousand properties yeah. or running nine airbnbs in the city living whatever and it is, we right? have to talk about like the ethics of the way that people use images of ancestors mm-hmm. because like there are a lot of like depending on on what culture you come from but a lot of indigenous cultures have sort of taboos around displaying images of ancestors, particularly within a mourning period. And this is something that like, this is not, this is not just like mumbo jumbo. This actually ha- impacts people in real time. I'm thinking about Colton Bushi yeah. when, when he was murdered, they were, they were showing, they had pictures everywhere and they were showing pictures to like his friends who were there who were having to testify. And they were like, I don't want to look at this. Like, and it's not just, it's not just, um, I don't want to look at this because it bothers me that my friend was murdered and I was there, but it's, it's spiritually damaging. When somebody passes in Métis and Nehiao culture, you're not supposed to display pictures of them for a period of time. And I know um, when I've gone to see uh, sort of exhibits that feature Pacific Islanders, you know, um, material culture, there will often be a huge warning. They'd be like, hey, um, pictures of deceased people are being displayed here. So if you want to avoid it, go ahead to be aware of that cultural issue. And so like these kids, these kids who are on the stand being told to look at this picture, were like being disciplined for not doing it. You know, like there was Mm -hmm. no respect for the for the the cultural connotations of that or the or the harm that it was doing to those people and so like this idea that that uh if you live in this world you your sort of your image is public property is yeah, super problematic yeah well i mean it's and it's like even celebrities right like the holograms of people after yeah. they died and stuff the deep fakes and everything yeah, some, like and sometimes like explicitly against their wishes oh my god prince yeah 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 you know like it's, it's that you really could disturbing. go and do that against the wishes of that like that is so messed up yeah. and like and 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 there would you know then you get into like the spiritual spiritual connotations of things which i know western society does not respect whatsoever because they've pivoted from like if you're not this kind of christian then you're a heathen to oh secularism secularism if you're if you have any spirituality at all you're like backwards like they just like change the playing field constantly yeah. and indians are always on the bad side of it right? yeah. like 
And, uh, you know, and and obviously, like, not all of this relates directly to real NFTs, Mm -hmm. but, like, I do do think it's important that, like, we position ourselves in such a way that recognizes that, you know, futurisms broadly and speculative fiction and being interested in technology in the future and applications of those things, that doesn't mean that we are going to wholesale or automatically support everything that comes out Mm -hmm of these realms yeah like we you know i think for indigenous futurisms to be done well and responsibly and ethically it means that as we are exploring new technologies or remembered technologies or whatever it is that we are always foregrounding our own worldviews we are Mm -hmm. foregrounding our relations we are foregrounding a resistance to capitalism a resistance to commodification a resistance to the increased power that these things have over our lives we do it in a good way it's not to say that indigenous peoples are anti-technology we never have been we've always had technology it's that it has to it has to fit within our worldviews and it has and and a major facet of that worldview is that human beings are not positioned on top of a hierarchy with the right nay the responsibility to extract ruinously the resources that that belong to them like we're just animals we're just organisms that are surviving on this planet and we're not more important than any others and so our technology is going to reflect that mm-hmm. and, so, our, and our art should reflect that too yeah exactly and, you know, and again this isn't like i'm you know i'm i didn't bring this up to try to you know anybody who makes indigenous nfts yeah no feel it's bad not, or, or you know whatever all. it is but it's just you know i think it's like for us you know we've positioned ourselves in a specific way in relation to this that i think is worth talking about because I think as we've continued to do the podcast, we've been getting sort of increasingly asked to do different things, which yeah. is fine. And, you know, we, we try to um, say yes when we can and, and whatnot, but some of the stuff that we're being asked to do is, is really sort it's of like totally contrary. Yes. To, yeah. <laughs> what, what we're, we're trying to build. And yeah. so like, sometimes I do think we need to be maybe a little more explicit yeah, about um, that, about some of that. For sure. For sure. But anyway, okay. So, so getting back to this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, okay, so they're at the they're at the ceremony. The rain dance is happening. It's actually quite beautiful. Duran's talking to the old men. He's like, "Hey, where are the priests? Aren't they usually coming up during ceremony?" This is when he goes down, and he finds them and in the kiva, but they're they're all dead. Yeah. Which and was, that was really creepy. Actually. Yeah, it was. And, and they don't have bites. They're, you know, no, they're there's just no there. sort of indication of why they died. They're all just kind of sitting against the wall slumped doctors show up in hazmat suits they're bringing out the priest bodies and they're they're talking about durant's like i know the signs of pneumonic plague when i see it because a lot of i've seen a lot of people die of it right mm-hmm. and that's the thing is like in a lot of indigenous communities um diseases that that you know regular society mainstream society thinks have been eradicated still exist the fact that tuberculosis continues to run rampant in so many northern communities is wild it's because like something like 800 percent higher in some communities than it is in the rest of the country yeah it's like, it's wild because like that that is a disease that nobody like people associate with like old like old timey times yeah. you know but like that is that is a current reality and so things like this like bubonic plague that they're talking about pneumonic plague like plagues and and stuff like that still these diseases that maybe have been eradicated for other communities continue to pop up in in communities that have been marginalized and lack access to like the kind of health care that they need yeah so it's from the sounds of it uh these bats they're carrying a bubonic plague but uh it's mutated so it's become more virulent and has become sort of mnemonic rather than giving you Bubos? Yeah, Bobos? but it's it's really unclear. Like they never explained how how these guys got it. Where was the transmission point? Right. Yeah. Is and it so the there's bites. Is it touching them? Is it in their feces or the ammonia pee? Right. No, I think it's. I think that there's this spiritual battle going on in the background. Mm. That that you know. So like, remember Abner had opened the circle. Like he he everybody was going to die, and so like this seems like a spiritual attack. Mm-hmm. And because that's how Duran takes it, he's really upset with Abner, who, you know, like the, these old guys, they're like, oh, yeah, I keep seeing him. Uh, he told me this. He told me that. Like, they're talking to him. So and, and that doesn't phase Abner at all because he's he is quite rooted. He, well, he believes. Yeah, he, yeah, believes, he believes it. it. And but, so, but, I, but I also find it interesting that nobody else, like even like the old guys who also clearly are like, you know, immersed in tradition, they're seeing Abner and they know that Abner is very powerful and that he's doing things uh, that you know, are arguably like not good for the people. Yeah. Uh, they don't really take a lot of action. No, which they don't seem... doesn't make any sense until the, like the last one minute. <laughs> yeah. 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 
But it was definitely something that I like noted as we were watching because I was like, why? Why is no one else concerned about what's going on here? Right. And they're kind of even like, he's like, yeah, I talked to Abner, and you know, he's doing he's doing this to get rid of uh, get rid of all the the Anglo's and stuff, and like it's going to help her. Like they seem kind of convinced. They're like, yeah, okay. Like they were all scared of Abner, but they're kind of like, oh, yeah, all right, let's see how it plays out. Right. Not too not too worried at all as well. Yeah. Abner talks to the the chief and is like, hey, uh, I need you to bring choppers because like uh, they had found the bodies, uh, the two women that had died, the Christians out there. So he's like, oh, shoot, my my white goddess is in trouble. I want to take the chopper. Save her. And they make a deal. Um, So this is when uh, this is when Duran's like, "Okay, I won't call in the authorities right now as long as you give me the choppers. And then chief turns around and immediately makes a deal to like have Duran arrested in the morning. Yeah, just get him out of the way. But of course, Duran is too savvy because he is Coyote Clan. Exactly. So the chopper pulls up, but it's one chopper and a bunch of, it looks like white people jump out to Mm -hmm. to arrest Duran, but he's, you know, he's already way ahead of them. He watches this all go down as they sort of bust into his office. He's sort of across the way and he takes off into the desert himself to go find his white goddess. Yeah. And so now Philip Payne, the the, uh, vampire bat hunter, uh, Duran and the white girlfriend all are link up. So they're, they're hanging out. Yeah. Now. That was weird. It was weird. Like, the, like there's clearly some kind of off screen deal that's been made or something know. because like, yeah, Duran is just running through the desert. Yeah. Uh, he's becoming increasingly shirtless as native men often do in these films. <laughs> um, and all of a sudden just like kind of runs into pain. He's yeah. like, hop in buddy. Let's go. I'll take you to your girlfriend. And yeah. yeah the well. shirt, the shirt situation, thankfully it's not a situation in which like by the end of the movie, Duran's like in a loincloth. Yeah. Which I kind of thought it was headed. There, oh, I totally to did. Honest. When he was running through the desert. No, they're, they're clothes open. magically like clean and fix themselves throughout these, these next couple scenes. Yeah. Maybe that's the real Indian magic. Right. Because when white girlfriend is just at death's door and they find her, she's, she looks terrible. But later, on her hair is perfect yeah she's fine she's fully recovered no sweat stains nothing yeah so then there's like another scene that we don't care about with the chief and the oil guy like way too much plot way, way too much, too much plot. plot so but i guess like but again in the last minute it all starts making sense but at the time you're like why am i watching this i just want to see vampire bats like, i know suck people at this blood. point we hadn't really seen other than the the church group we hadn't yeah. seen them like you know and, and and that was great it was so cheesy <laughs> yeah totally it's like they're yeah they're like little bat stuffed animals whose wings you know just go up and down so it's they're like so slapping funny. <laughs> oh my god key, key. and they're just adorable and, and they're fuzzy really cute. And just, yeah so the 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 three stooges they're they're out there they're hunting they're basically hunting the the bats now trying to figure out where they are the hunted become the hunter and duran picks out some sort of root gets super stoned in like two seconds sees abner <laughs> he's like i'm fighting you abner you killed our own people and he's like no like you gotta let me do this man yeah, you gotta yeah, help well, me we'll keep the good mask guy out of the underworld and only the bad will go to the underworld yeah 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 and so he's, he's willing to like let you know like kill off a bunch of his own people in order to create this purge to get white people and all the you know just like yeah. and duran's like nah. no that's not cool man yeah. but he runs up to <laughs> the spirit of abner and tries to clock him in the jaw yeah of which course, was hilarious he can't because yeah. he's not there and then he's like sober immediately so this yeah, is like some amazing instantly. fast like route yeah like sort of like a diy your trip <laughs> Totally. Like, schedule your trip, you know? I, and then Vampire Hunter creates this, like, electric cage. Like, what did you call it? It's a it's a, a, a land shark cage. It was amazing. So yeah. they're, they're in that. They're, like, they figured out that the uh, the vampire bats are in the, the Maskai um, cave. Yeah, there's a, there's a Maskai cave somewhere, but um, the uh, pain needs to sh- uh, tag one of the bats. So right, we can right. sort of trace yeah. them. But sort of... Oh yeah, yeah. The wor- I, like the really interesting part of this movie for me happens when I think it's it's definitely Duran and Payne and possibly the White Goddess, possibly not. But Duran starts talking about why he does what he does. He's oh, like yeah. the vampire bat hunter, and they're like, why? And he <laughs> yeah, nobody's paying starts, this guy. <laughs> yeah, he just does it for fun, I guess. But he's he's convinced that every animal gives something back to the world except for vampire bats, oh, my God. which was just mind-boggling to hear yeah. that there's just this like especially coming from a white man yeah 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 that there's no <laughs> like the, the the vampire bat there's no reciprocity like evil <laughs> yeah because it gives nothing back because it sucks blood 
that it doesn't even use. It's wasteful of the blood. The waste that it produces can't be it's I like guess, toxic for any other animals. Like, because, yeah. yeah, because of the levels of pneumonia. It destroys things around it. Oh my god, it's almost it's like it's an allegory for fucking colonization. I know. And then meanwhile, there's yeah, and so but but we're expected to believe this of an entire species of animal yeah. that it deserves to be eradicated because it gives nothing back, and. One of the things I found interesting about that is I feel like the way that the desert is portrayed in the film is really analogous to that. Mm -hmm. Because you never really see the desert as a place of generation or as a place of abundance and wealth. Yeah. Which it is for desert people. Absolutely. Yeah, that's why, like, calling things food deserts, like, is it just doesn't make sense because they're (laughs) people who live in deserts know how to get food in the desert. Great. (laughs) Because they're technologically advanced and they have, like, a high level of precision with their relational technologies as well. Yeah. But in this film, again, it's like the desert is sort of this this enemy, this killer. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the caves, like, they're sacred, but, you know, it makes it hard to find where the vampire bats are living. White goddess, even though she has some skills, eventually succumbs to the desert. Right, right. You know, all of this stuff, the desert makes it hard for people to travel, to get around, this and that, right? And so it's it really does become, like, they, they sort of take the savagery of indigeneity and, and put it places. into the landscape and into these animals. Yeah. But it's interesting because this movie came out at a time when, if you think about it, like, so Jaws preceded this. You had this film about vampire bats. I don't remember when, like, the Killer Bees movie came out. Like, you know, there, there's been there's been multiple movies about irredeemable, invasive species. Like Cujo. Yeah, like, scary animals that have to be killed. And, and it's interesting to think about that, like, because that, that is a period of time in, like, in film where it was, like, a genre. It was a specific genre. Well, I feel like it's, you know, even, like, Lake Placid, you know, I think there have been several versions of that. Yeah, and since, and it's, like, And it's yeah. not even that they're scary mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. even that they're threatening humans. It's that they're evil. Yeah. It's like there's an intentionality yeah. there that they have Right, because they say, that, they're, they say that these vampire bats are really smart. They keep talking about, like, how they're, like, intelligent. It's So, so there's a malevolence there, not just... Yeah. Like an, an undeserved malevolence yeah. is the other thing. It's never... Like, there's never sort of, like, a corrective or a, you know, like, this is a way of them showing us how to be in better relation. It's their evil and they need to be exterminated. Yeah, which is wild to me that you could think of any organism as being like that outside of, like, the organisms that humans create in their own institutions. Anyway. Uh, Yeah, so, okay. So then, uh, like, at this point, you know, I'm writing all these notes. At this point, I was just like, oh, my God, how much of this is left? We both sort of, like, checked out at this point. And, like, nothing really happens for the longest time. And so he's... They're in the the land shark cage. Um, Some bats get in. Pew, pew. They uh, they got the trackers on him. Yeah. um, Duran gets sort of, like, electric shocked by the the cage at one point, but he's fine after. He eats some... The bats almost get them. Yeah, Yeah, they don't. (laughs) And then he's, he's... They find the cave... Finally, they figure out, they yes. pinpoint it, and it is in the most sacred cave. And of then, course. and then, so he's like, vampire bat killer is up there. He's like, he's, yes, he's trying like to seal hole. it. Yeah, yeah, he thinks that like there's like you you get in from above, so he yeah. thinks the bats have flown in, and they're like hanging out on the cave. So he's putting chicken wire down so they can't get out, and he's going to gas them with cyanide gas. That's how he kills them. That's his like strategy, his thing. But then he falls in, and the wind yeah. blows the 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 chicken wire over the hole. Yeah, and he falls in, and and he gets caught on the rope that he was lowering the cyanide gas in. It's, like, wrapped around his wrist, so yeah, it's, like, yeah, kind yeah. of suspended in the air. <laughs> which, like, I mean, you know, he's gonna lose that hand. Yeah. Um, not that it shows that in the movie, but... No. But, I mean, this, this is isn't why reality. that if you're going near an edge of anything, number one, don't do it. Number two, if you've gotta do it, secure yourself first. Absolutely. So that if there's a cave-in, you won't end up like this white anthropologist-looking British motherfucker. Just hanging over a... a so, he's hanging over this sort of, like, pool... Of, of what at first we thought was a giant pool of ammonia bat piss, but yeah, because he to talks be about that, yeah, earlier, but then it's not that. It's I know oil it's like of the shale rock and the oil and the shale right, rock. Right, they or... just keep giving us all this information that doesn't like lead us anywhere. Yeah, right. So it's oil. It's yeah. oil. Oil, bat pee, going to Houston. Yeah, mining permits, marrying <laughs> the the daughter, marrying the, the daughter. Yeah, <laughs> he hates like the guy hates living there. So weird. Yeah. So anyway, whatever. He falls, and then okay, so. Durant starts tripping balls again. He starts seeing ancestors moving up and down the Pueblo. And he's in, in that cave. Yeah. yeah. So, the, yeah, the white girlfriend and Durant have found a side entrance. Right. So they're going to... They're, they're like, so that's okay. how they sneak in and they, they see dude up there hanging, being like, ah. Yeah. And whatever. He gets saved. He doesn't die. <laughs> Which is why. Boring. I was like, make the ultimate sacrifice, dude. Yeah. I've, I've literally got, he falls into the cave, lol. 
But so he sees it, he, and then he sees Abner, and he's chewing on his root again. He's and he's arguing with Abner again. Yeah. And uh, he's like, he's like, okay, well, now I'm gonna close the circle because he sees the painting in the cave. Yeah, the same painting that Abner was making in his cabin. Yeah, with no is, circle around it at all. Yeah, it's in the cave, but yeah, there's so there's no circle, so the circle's totally open, and so he takes a hatchet that they've brought in to, to sort of whack their wave into this cave entrance, and he starts taking it to the shale because the shale is full of oil. It took me a while to figure out what yeah, was what going was going on. on. I was like, is that coal? And it's like, no, no. it's no. Yeah. So he knocks it down. He's like, and he's building this circle around the, the painting, and White Goddess is like, uh, what do you, come on, let's get out of here. The, the bats are going to wake up at any moment. And she, yeah. You know, she doesn't get it, and she's trying to drag him away, and he's like, no, you need to listen to me and just, like, do what I say. And he even, like, pushes her at one point. Yeah, because he's tripping, she, and he's like, here, eat this root. And she's like, mm, I'm, I'm going to feed it to the, the the white guy here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's like, yeah, she's feeding pain, like, slivers of the root. And I guess he's having a nice time. I don't know. I don't know. But she's trying, like, he's, you know, he's sort of fallen a long way. He's managed to, like, get himself cut off the rope and whatnot. Um, but they're not important at this point. No, they I mean, really that are. is, like, sort of a battle of wills. It's a spiritual battle yeah. between him and Abner. So he finally he finally does it. And then he's like, I'm going to light the eternal fire. And so he like... And he rips off his shirt, of course. <laughs> soaks it in the oil and, and starts the, the painting on fire, but then also uh, like lights the pool, which uh, apparently is like, it's like seeping up from the ground, right? Yeah. So he lights it on fire and then they escape and he's standing yeah, and there and all the and bats are it. dying and yeah. you just see flaming bat It's so funny. They keep flying around. And it's like oh very 70s fire, you know? Like, it's amazing. so clear that they filmed a fire somewhere and they yeah, just put it, it on. It was great. great. Not even green screen at that point, but yeah. So then they're out, they're outside and he's looking at the fire. So he's, and he's like, it's going to burn forever. Because it will, like it's it's yeah. it's gonna it, it'll yeah, literally burn forever. Yeah, it's gonna be like that, what like that cavern or that uh, like crater oh, yeah, in yeah, Russia, yeah. or or there's like a place too somewhere in the states that's been burning forever. Oh. Um, and we have a couple fires out, like peat peat uh, bog fires too, right, yeah. that have been going for decades. So like once you light something like that, it's it's game that's over. It, yeah. And I think you know that was the whole point is like haha, now there will be no mining. But like the the pollution from that. It's just so intense. I, I, I was, and that's the thing is like, it comes out of nowhere. It's like the Canyon's going to burn forever. They won't be able to mine there. That's what Abner wanted yeah. all along. It was like Abner had planned all of this stuff, including the way in which Duran was going to oppose him. And like, so Duran actually every step along the way was doing exactly what Abner wanted. So Abner won, but like, what? <laughs> Why didn't Abner just go and drop a match in there? hundred percent. He didn't have to question. like, you know, like summon this god and like kill off the priests and do all this stuff just to make Duran go light the match. Yeah, and I mean it's clear and that, summon like, the bats. Abner is sort of supposed to be this morally ambiguous character from the beginning, but like I don't know, that he's like he killed shit. like fifteen people or something yeah. because of his actions. Like yeah. it, was, it was not ideal. And and now and it's like releasing oil pollution, like yeah into the community and has like desecrated a sacred spot but whatever it's fine yeah, now, cool. now nobody can go there yeah and you know maybe nobody could go there in the first place but now yeah. it's filled with fire and <laughs> the spirits of your ancestors that are clearly there because yeah. seeing them there are uh i mean maybe they're fine i don't oh, know hopefully but uh uh and the end yeah but the end the end, <laughs> the end. thank god there was like there's no denouement oh it was that was terrible it was yeah. terrible. It was, um, it was trying too hard, and it didn't succeed at any of it. Yeah, you could you could see where it was almost good. Yeah, mm. there was anyway. I so lost hope. okay, we so, decided yes uh, that we we are going to rate this film out of liters of blood ammonia pee. Yes, from the vampire bats. So five liters of blood ammonia pee was that was amazing it was the best movie you've ever seen you'd recommend it to everyone chelsea of course has the option of giving it an additional cookum rating uh which means that like like that's the best you can get yeah one liter of blood ammonia pee means that it was garbage you would rather punch yourself in the face multiple times and toss yourself into a vat of blood ammonia pee mm-hmm. before you would recommend this to anybody Chelsea, what are your thoughts? Well, now that you've put it that way, definitely one liter of, of like blood ammonia pee. Uh, it was terrible. I was I was looking forward to it at first, like a very strong setting, like I said, visually and everything. I'm like, ooh, this is like, because I, I find sometimes I see stuff coming out lately where I don't get a sense of the place. 
there's no specificity there's no like there's nothing that makes me you know feel like oh this is a this is a place that has like a spirit and and i so i was like oh cool uh this is like this isn't a really specific place we're seeing all these this you know th this town these people and then it just what the hell like it, it was so boring for this is supposed to be a horror show both of us are, are wimps there was nothing that even approached scary here it was just ridiculous and not because of the effects but because they just didn't build it up and they were trying to to weave together way too many plot pieces and it all failed and it sucked and i want all that time back i just like don't even know what more to say about it that we haven't already said it was terrible yeah but hey, at least it was like in Blu-ray quality. Yeah, that's true. We did find a Blu-ray uh, torrent for it. Yeah. That's great. Mm -hmm. I'm going to have to... Okay, I'm going to go a little higher than you. Okay. I'm going to give it a 1.5 liters of blood ammonia pee. And that's because, like, I do want to acknowledge that there was multiple moments where it could have been good. It almost, it almost made the grade. Yeah. What I think would have saved it, though, like, if there was one thing I could have changed about it, is I would have made it way campier. Oh yeah. If it had been campier, it would have gone from extremely boring to incredibly enjoyable, mm -hmm. I think. But it just, it did take itself too seriously, mm -hmm. as you said. Mm -hmm. Which is too bad because I feel like maybe for the time, it was a little bit radical. Or at least it was like trying to be radical. It was like yeah. trying to nod towards yeah. a radical representation of indigenous people as people, as you know, existing, uh, you know, Within an intersection yeah. of, you know, varying forces that create tension both within the nation and then sort of from the outside of the nation. But yeah, it, it, there was, there really was too much plot. I mean, it, you, you mentioned that, you know, at one point there was a book, Yeah, you know, it, it, it really seems like one of those book yeah, translations book, that yeah. like, they should have stripped out a bunch yeah, of just, the stuff. Just choose one thing, you know, yeah. like what works in a book is not going to work in a film. Yeah. But yeah, I don't think the, the only character I really liked was the, uh, old man who just like kind of knew what was going on the whole time and, and didn't was really cool with it. give a shit about yeah. what Abner was doing or anything else. That was the only character in the whole film I liked. And we don't even know his name. We, did, we don't know his name. <laughs> I mean, he, he may have had one. I don't know. But we, we probably missed it because it doesn't matter. It, it didn't matter in the film. His, his person, it didn't matter. Yeah. Um, I did think there were some interesting moments. Like I thought the, the interplay between Duran and the chief yeah. was really interesting yeah. and sort of was reminiscent of a lot of the ways in which indigenous people sort of like approach interactions and engagements with industry now. And mm -hmm. I, I did like that they never made that character a villain. Yeah. Like true. he was given, he was given a level of nuance and complexity there that I did appreciate. Yeah. But he was kind of the only one, the, the white woman was boring. The white man was boring. Duran was boring. And, uh, yeah, that's again. Yeah. That's an hour and 45 minutes that, um, we'll never we watch so other people don't have to. There you go. So it's thank you for service. joining us in this public service. In this <laughs> Here pod, yeah, on public service podcast. Metis in space, 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 space. in space. Metis in space.